Now have a quick look at Romans 8. I know you know it, but let's turn there again. Romans chapter 8. Did you bring your Bibles? It'd be good if you brought them. Thank you. Amen. Whether it's a phone, some of you, you're playing video games instead of the Bible, but the Lord sees you. Uh, so just turn off that uh, to-do list. Amen. And, and just open up your Bible app or get your physical paper. And Romans chapter 8, praise the Lord. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As a child of God, you have a right to be led. It's the most basic most basic uh, advantage that you have as a Christian. Number verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's the first thing he bears witness, but certainly not the last. The bearing of witness is the number one way God leads his children. So put up quote number 11, please, uh, of Dad Hagen. I'm giving you some quotes in this. Dad Hagen was, uh, was our, is our spiritual grandfather and, and uh, the most balanced Bible teacher I've ever seen in my entire life. And uh, with so many ministers, you have to spit out the sticks. You don't have to spit out any sticks with Dad Hagen. Not that I've ever read, and I've read almost all his material. And he is just so balanced and so accurate scripturally, and, and it's, so it's safe. And that's the reason I quote him a lot, because if he says it, you can take it to the bank. And our doctrine, because he he has led us and taught us as a man of God in doctrine. I want you to know that our doctrine lines up with him because in many ways in our modern society in this generation, he was the platinum standard of doctrine for the body of Christ. And that's why he was so revered, not, not put on a pedestal and not worship. We don't worship people, but we thank God for the revelation that came through them to the body of Christ. The witness of the spirit is sometimes an inward intuition. Now, the, now Romans eight sixteen calls it a bearing of witness. Okay. That's just a witness. It's a, it's a it's a knowing. It's, he called it an inward intuition. Sometimes it's just a check that you send in your spirit, a stop sign, so to speak, or sometimes it's just a green light, so to speak. Some, something on the inside of you, sometimes it's just an inward prompting or an urge. The Passion Translation calls it an impulse. So there is just, it's not a voice, but there's just a knowing. There's just a knowing in your spirit of to do something or not to do something. In 1959, when he was uh, in El Paso, Texas, Jesus walked into his room and for an hour and a half spoke to him in person in an open vision about the ministry of the prophet. And in that discussion, Jesus said these words, put up the next one. Jesus said, he, Brother Hagin's quoting now, he got, Jesus got into this area about being led by the Spirit. And Jesus said, I'm not going to lead you by the prophet's ministry, even though you do have that ministry. You're going to have to learn to do like all the rest of my children, learn to follow the inward witness. When you're praying about things and you've got that good velvety-like feeling in your spirit, that's a go-ahead sign. That's a green light. Go ahead. But you're praying, but when you're praying about should I make this move or should I do that, and there seems to be a hesitancy, what I would call an uneasiness, a check in your spirit, a ugh feeling, that is a stop sign. Don't do it. Don't go forward. That's the inner witness. Praise God. Now, I'm not going to get into it, but on Wednesday night, if you watch it, because I can't repeat everything, but I also talked about another way to, to, to the way the Lord has often ministered to me on it, because spiritual things, Reverend Greg, are hard sometimes to explain naturally, especially things like this, because it's a sense, it's a feeling, it's a knowing. How do you explain that in a quantifiable fashion? It's very difficult. But so I'm trying to give different words and different synonyms to help you understand what we're talking about. Another way to explain it is it's like your spirit is a battery 
It's charged with power, and there's a wire coming out of it, just like you would have in a car. And you touch that wire to a decision that you're making or to a situation that you're facing. And if there's a dead flat, if there's no spark, it often means that flatness is an indication that that's a check. Don't do it. And if there's an anticipation, an excitement, but not up here, you've got to learn the difference. You may want to do something. When you want to do something in your mind, it's extra be extra cautious because your mind and your spirit are so close. And if you really want to do something, you better be real careful because you could convince yourself that it was your spirit, but it's really just you that wants to do it. Do you understand? So you got to, you got to be careful. But when you're, when you touch your, your wire from your spirit to that situation, to that decision you have to make, and there's a spark and it's from your spirit, man, there's a jump, there's a leap, there's an anticipation, there's a joy. That's where we get the word joy from. That, that is a green light. Go for it. But when there's a dead, flat, hollow, empty, it's dead. There's no spark. The, be careful. If you're not sure, pray about it again. But be careful because that could be the Lord, the Lord prompting you and saying, you don't have peace about this. Remember, he leads us by joy and peace. Remember, I gave you some verses on Wednesday, Isaiah 55, 12. We go out with joy and we are led, we are led led forth with peace. We go, we walk based on joy and we're led based on peace. Even in the Old Testament, God is telling us it's joy and peace. Those are the two words that you need to memorize, joy and peace. Now, what about Romans chapter four, verse 17? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. In what? The Holy Ghost. Not joy in your mind. That's called happiness. There's a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness, which is a nice movie, good movie, clean movie to watch. Very few movies that are clean anymore. So when I find one, I have to promote it. Okay. I have to be the the PR guy to promote Pursuit of Happiness because it's clean. There's nothing in that 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 offends my spirit. And it's a true story about a a businessman and and he he was broke and he became a a broker and he became a millionaire. And the struggle that he went through to get to it. Will Smith plays the, the, the character. Clean movie, good movie, but everything, you know, there's a thing in the Constitution that they have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what it's based on. He wasn't happy. He wanted to become happy. Money made him happy. Money will make you happy too, but money don't give you no joy. And money doesn't give you eternal joy, eternal peace, or an eternal security with God. You can be the richest man in the world and on your way to hell. We're not looking to pursue happiness. We're looking to pursue joy. Joy is a spiritual quality. Happiness is a soul quality. Happiness is based on feelings. You can feel happy and you can feel sad, but there's always a divine joy and excitement in your spirit, man. We're trying to get you to live out of your spirit, not just the happiness or the unhappiness of your mind. Do you understand? We're not talking about a happy feeling. We're talking about a joy feeling. You gotta learn the difference. That joy, that 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 pickup, that that elevation, that that jump, that that spark, that's the Holy Ghost. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace in the Holy Ghost, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That means there's a joy out of your spirit and there's a peace out of your spirit. It's not a happiness out of your mind or a sense of ease, which some people call peace, but all it is is ease out of your mind. I heard somebody a little while ago, not a little while, a long while ago, they've long since left the church, but they came and said, you know, uh, uh, I, I was feeling to do this for the property fund, and they, well, this was years ago, and then they said, but I thought it was the devil, so I rebuked the devil, and I decided not to do it, 
And then they said, and I had such peace. So they said, the Lord was leading me not to do it. Now that's possible. The Lord could lead you not to do it if, you're not, if your amount is wrong. But this amount, I, I, I just knew they didn't know what they were talking about because the Lord, what they were talking about is they didn't want to sacrifice yeah. Yeah. and give a sacrificial gift. So when they made the decision, which is not the Holy Ghost in that situation, when they made the decision not to, there was an ease. Their mind was relieved because now they don't have to come up with that money. So they called the mental relief spiritual peace. Mental relief is not spiritual peace. Yeah, very good. You got to, they just hadn't learned to, dis, to decipher between the soul and the spirit. The more you pray in the Holy Ghost, the more you wait on God, the more your spirit man will become clear to you. So just because you have a mental relief about something doesn't mean it's peace. It feels like peace, but it's not spiritual peace. Just because you're mentally excited about something doesn't mean it's spiritual joy. So you got to learn the difference between spirit and soul joy and just happiness, peace, and just relief. There is a difference. And the, and the more skillful you get, the more you'll understand that. I'm just quoting you these scriptures because the Bible says that there is joy in the Holy Ghost and peace in the Holy Ghost. And of course, we also know Romans 15, 13. It says, when you believe God, I'm giving you the, 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 the simple the translation, the simple version. When you believe God or in your believing, in your use of faith, follow joy and peace. If there's no joy and peace when you're believing God for something to do with money, then you know you're outside your measure of faith. Because Romans 12 says that every man has a measure of faith. Now, every human being starts with the same measure of faith, but based on your growth rate, some Christians after six months have more faith than some Christians after six years. Because the more you're pressing after God and you're in his word and you're hungry and you're obeying the inner witness and you're obeying what God's word tells you to do, the faith grows faster. I've met some Christians, Reverend Greg, that have been saved for 40 years and the person that's saved four months has more faith than they do. Because the one that's saved four months is pressing after God, and the one saved for 40 years is like, uh, they're just like a lump on a log. Yeah. So we all start in the same, it's equal. We all start, but that doesn't mean we all are at the same place. When we started this church, I could barely believe God for $1,000. It took every bit of faith I had to believe God for $1,000. But Pastor Nancy taught me what to do. She said, you reach out your hand to faith. And if there, when you think about that amount, uh, which I was believing for the church, if you can put your arm, if you put your hand of faith around that and you don't sweat. That's right. Don't sweat. Is there joy and peace? It might stretch you, but is there joy and peace down in here? Does it feel good? Does it have that velvety feeling? Does it have that anticipation? Is there that spark? It don't matter that you don't know where it's coming from and it looks impossible. And it doesn't matter that your mind is stretched. Do you have peace on the inside? Is there anticipation on the inside when you, when you think about that figure? She said, if that, then you're within your measure because you're within joy and peace. Then just start to speak. The way you pull it towards you is your words. Father, I thank you. I call it in. I believe I have received it in Jesus' name. I don't know how you're going to do it. That's not my problem. That's your side. That's not my side. My side is to say it. Believe it. Your side is to do it. I thank you that you bring the people. You do whatever you need to do. I call that amount in. I call that amount in. And then over time, the amount starts to grow, 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 until now you're consistently getting that $1,000 a week, and now you've pulled it to yourself. Now your faith elastic is slack. Now you've got to stretch it back out again and believe for another amount. So then I would start reaching out and say, well, can I believe for $3,000 a week? And they'd be like, oh, dear Jesus, no. See, that's outside my measure. There's no joy and peace. But I said, well, Lord, can I believe for 2000 2000 feels good. I just feel like I can handle that. My spirit man's happy about that. That's how I know I'm in my measure because of joy and peace. And then I start pulling the 2000 You know, we've been doing that for 12 years. 
We started at $1,000, now we're at 40. And you give me another 12 years, I'll be believing for 100,000 a week. And you just, Jesus decides to just wait a little bit, then I'll believe for 200,000 a week. And I'll have it too. Because faith produces. You say, but how, what if we don't have all those people in the church? Well, there's lots of people watching. And we're going to get a new building anyway. We know Pastor Nancy said, don't put your affection on this building. This is not the building for you. The Lord said, buy it because it's good business, but that doesn't mean that our affection is on here. There's another building coming. In fact, Randy Greer stepped into it in an out-of-body out experience. While he was preaching to the ministers in the morning, he stepped out of his body and he stepped into a sanctuary. He, explained, he told me what it looked like afterward. He said, Craig, it seemed like it seated about, about at least two to 3,000 people. He said, it seemed like it was a good 10 to 15,000 square feet at least. That's the size of this entire building, 10,000. And it seemed about two to 2,000 people. And he said it was jam-packed full, standing room only. And he said, you were standing on the front row with your wife beside you, and I was preaching to your congregation. It was God took him into the future for just a second. He saw it, and then and he's right back into this sanctuary with just 30 people here, you know, the ministers, and, and, and this tiny roof. Because that one has a nice tall roof. I don't like small roofs. I want a tall roof. That one had a nice tall roof. Well, he's already seen it, Taylor. He already stepped into it. So that building's coming. It don't matter what it looks like financially right now. It's coming because it's part of the vision. God can touch one person who's a multimillionaire. An angel could appear to them like that man in the tracksuit and say, go and give this money to him. And of course, God won't force him. But if the person's willing to listen, you just don't know. We don't want to limit God just to what the offering is. But what I'm telling you is I'll believe God for that offering to increase until the day of the rapture. We never get lazy in our faith. We're now at 35,000. We've just got to 35,000 last week. The average is 35,000. But a month ago, the Lord said, now reach out your hand, son. When we were at 34.8, the Lord said, reach out your hand. And I said, but Lord, I'm not at 35 yet. Let me believe you for 35. He said, you're going to argue with me about $200? Son, you've got it. Don't quibble about $200. You've got it. You're going to hurt your faith if you let it slack. Reach it out now. Do you have joy and peace about 40? I said, I have joy and peace. I said, I can't, I just, when I think about 41, I start to sweat. When I think about 39, I feel like I'm being lazy. So 40 just seems right to me. See, joy and peace. See, I'm being led by the inner witness, even in what I believe God for money. So you see, we're just talking about money. No, we're talking about being led by the spirit because being led by the spirit affects your money. You can, you can do the same for your personal budget. Well, my income's fixed. Well, please tell me who fixed it. You fixed your income by saying that it's fixed. Yes. Well, I, but my job only pays me such. Yes, but God has other ways other than your job. God has lots of people that he can cross your path with. God has business ideas for you. God has investment opportunities for you. There's lots of ways God can increase you. Don't, don't decide that it's fixed because you fixed it. it. Just reach out the hand of faith and believe God for what you want for your family and stop worrying about where it's coming from because you're not going to know where it's coming from anyway. And just start to believe him. If there's joy and peace, reach out, take it, and start pulling it toward you. Praise God. It's the same with healing. You got some bump, just reach out your hand of faith and start pulling it toward you. When, you'll start to see it either happen instantly or it'll happen by process. But by the, time you, by the time you've pulled that in, that lump's gone. You don't even need somebody to lay hands on you. And you certainly don't need to go to no nonsense surgery. I'm not telling you not to go to surgery. Follow your, in, follow your measure of faith. I'd rather you go to surgery and live than think you're at faith, but you're in presumption and die. Yeah. Do you understand? In fact, it says when about the measure of faith that every man be sober. Yeah. 
sober when he determines his measure of faith. That's Romans chapter 12. Be sober. In other words, don't be too, don't be too liberal. Don't think higher than you ought to think. Be, be more conservative in your faith. It's better to be more conservative than to be more liberal. But you have a measure of faith. Figure out what it is by joy and peace of the inward witness and then reach out your hand, whether it's for finances, for healing, or for whatever it is, and start pulling it towards you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if you, if you know it, but you're getting help. <laughs> Praise God. So we got that, that check, right? And that flat feeling. And that no peace and no joy. And then we've got that spark, that jump, that excitement, that joy. That's one of the ways that God leads us. When there's a hesitancy or an uneasiness or a yucky feeling and there's no peace or a flat feeling, that's a check. When there's a velvety green, a velvety-like feeling, it's a green light, there's joy, there's an excitement, there's a spark. Amen. That means go for it. Learn to tell the difference and you'll be helped. I shared some stories which I won't share again. I read you also Acts 27 about Paul perceiving the voyage was going to be with damage. That word perceive, he's talking about the inner witness. He didn't say God showed me, God spoke to me. He knew by the spirit. He knew by the inward witness there was a perception something was wrong. Amen. And that he had been in many boats, I'm sure, that were in storms, but he knew by the inner witness, I perceive there's going to be damage to the ship and to our lives. See, that was the inner witness. God never spoke to him. That was the inner witness. You can be in a place and there's danger and you just know it by the inner witness. When we went with uh, Maria and we were in Israel and we went into some of the more, what do you call that? The, 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 the regions where you're not really supposed to go. Not that we're not allowed to go, but Jews aren't allowed to go to these regions where the Palestinians are because they'll kill them. And so we're allowed, but the Jews aren't allowed, but Maria is a Jew. And so she's not supposed to be there, but we're there. So she says, well, I'll go with you because I can justify that I'm the tour guide and I'm taking you here. So we were there, and, 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 but she was real nervous. She was like a cat in a hot tin roof because, you know, every little group of people that are, you know, she's nervous because they, she knows that they can kill her and that they, nothing's going to happen. Like, there's no prosecutable stuff. It's another world. In Israel, with the Palestinian conflict, it's a whole other world. A lot of stuff happens, and you don't, people don't even know what happened. And so she's like a nervous, but I kept looking down into my spirit. Yeah. Taylor just was singing, you know, John Stern's Jerusalem the whole time. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And I said, shut up, Taylor. Look into your spirit, brother. We're in Palestinian territory. They could kill us. So finally he got to checking his spirit, but then I don't know. I just said Taylor just keep singing I'll check the spirit for both of us And so but I, there was just a peace. There was just a peace. There was just a peace There was just a peace. She was nervous, but I had a peace But then at one point there was nothing in the natural nothing in the natural that would indicate that there was a problem And I had a I had a deep red light on the inside a deep warning get out go get out now I said and we, I was driving the car. I said we're going well, then we can go. I said Maria we're going you see, that's the inner witness. That's it. Well, but how do you prove it? Did anything bad happen? Well, if something bad happened, I wouldn't have been following the inner witness. And I've done many things in my life where I haven't listened to the inward witness and many bad things happened. Like when I was in Malawi and we were at the, uh, you know, the, the, the Indian guy, there's a big, not a mosque, that's a Muslim, but there's a big Hindu temple. 
and I'm with Christopher Allen and the head priest of the Hindu temple. Christopher had prayed for his wife 25 years earlier. They, she was barren and she got pregnant. Now they'd never given their hearts to Jesus. Now he's been promoted from associate priest to head priest. Now there's 2,000 people in his Hindu temple that he's the pastor of, so to speak. And now he's got uh, gallstones and he's in agony. And he heard that Christopher was there. So he says, please come pray for me. So Christopher says, you want to go to the Hindu temple? I says, no, not really. And that's a place where the devil lives. He says, yes, but we're on a mission. Like Dad Hagen said, you can go on their turf as long as they're there for a purpose, not for sightseeing. You go there for sightseeing, you'll open the door to demons. I mean, it was the weirdest thing. There's swastikas. You know, the swastika is actually from Hindu religion. So there's swastikas everywhere. And they've got this weird little thing there. And everybody's chanting and moving around it. And there's just demons. I mean, there were so many demons there. I mean, there was, it was such a charged demonic atmosphere. I was so uncomfortable. And I'd stand beside him and I said, brother, do you sense those demons? He goes, oh yes, but we've got the blood, don't we? I said, pray thank God for the blood. And I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And we were fine. We, we prayed. We laid hands on him. Instantaneous healing. And then he said, because he was so shocked. He says, come, our last day, there's a big week celebration of some Hindu God. At the end of it, come and preach to everybody about Jesus. But we were leaving the next day on the plane to go back to America, so we couldn't do it. But he has a standard invitation next time to go and preach to all the 2,000 Hindus about Jesus, because that man got healed. See, strategic healings open doors. But of course, now you can't be rude. When you've been there and you've prayed for the guy and he's healed, and he says, eat with us, eat with us, you can't say no because it'll offend them and that'll hurt the gospel. Paul even said that. So now we're standing in the line and there's 2,000 people, right? And as everything's, there's no utensils, everything by hand. God knows where their hands have been. So they're pouring out the food like this on my plate, all with their hands. And uh, he's there. And I said, brother, you know, I had a, I had a, a big breakfast. I, I, I just, I had a big breakfast. And so he says, I don't care whether you had a big breakfast, you're going to eat. And so, but then I got a check in my spirit. But I thought the check was because I didn't want to eat, right? I think it's my mind because I don't want to eat that food. It's spicy. I don't like it. It makes my mouth burn. I don't want that. But, but, but you see, I made a mistake. I thought, I knew it. It seemed like it was my spirit, but then I doubted it. Maybe it's just my mind because you can't offend people. And my, the boss is telling me to eat. So why would God go against the boss? And I'm, and I'm arguing with internally but it came again. Don't eat it. Well, I don't know, but, but Alan's going to get mad at me. What, what, what am I going to say to Christopher? What, what, what am I going to say? I'm going to offend the host. What if they don't invite him back to preach next time because I offend them? You see all the thoughts coming through my mind? I could be responsible for hundreds of people not getting saved. You see, but they, I knew there was a check and I violated it because I didn't want to offend Christopher or the priest. And I went and ate that food. And that night, I was as sick as a dog. I was spewing both for distance and accuracy. It was coming out of every hole that I had. I was as sick as a proverbial dog. It was so bad, I had to call Pastor Edwin, who didn't come to the temple. And I had to call him and say, you need to come lay hands on me or I'm going to have to go to the hospital. It was that bad. And he came. He's so sweet. He came in his little shorts, you know. <laughs> he just laid hands on me and God healed me. Praise God. He's so merciful. That inward witness said, don't eat it. But my mind, out of fear of offending people, ate it. 
And if I hadn't have eaten it, I wouldn't have got sick. Christopher ate it, three helpings full, I might add. But Christopher eats everything on this planet that moves and that doesn't move. <laughs> Later he went and they had live, some live creature, I don't know what it was, crawling on the plate and he's eating the head off it. And he said, Craig, why don't you try? I said, brother, uh, no, no. <laughs> No, you remember what happened. I got sick. I don't have your stomach lining. He has an iron cast stomach. He eats everything and anything. I can't. <laughs> Sorry to gross you out, but that's being taught, being led by the Spirit. Don't do things because you're afraid about hurting people's feelings. Follow the inward witness. There's a perception there. There's a perception there. Amen. Praise God. I shared about down, downstairs with the sump pump not working. I won't go into all that story again. But, but, but remember, there was a warning light. Don't pay the money. But I have to. It stinks. Don't pay the money. But I have to. It stinks. Lord, I don't know what to do. Thank God the angels helped us. And that man, before I did the transaction, hold on. A thought just came into my mind that I've never had. See, that's an angel. Because I released those angels. Check your electrical panel. I sure did. Flipped it back on, and there's the sump motor. Brrr, and all the sump is being released. Praise God. Hallelujah. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. That's why you're saying amen, hallelujah. But if you were here Wednesday, you weren't saying amen, hallelujah. You were saying that's gross. But you see, that inward witness saved me $1,600. That other inward witness in Malawi would have saved me from being sick that night. Follow the inward knowing. There's a check and there's a green light. Follow it. Learn the difference. If you're always just in your mind, you'll miss the cues. Learn to drill down into your spirit by praying in tongues every day. The more you're praying in the spirit, the more you're in the word and washing your mind with the word, the more your mind will pick up the cues from your spirit. And you'll hear more and you'll know more and you'll be more, your, your skill level will increase with the leading of the spirit. Are you with me still? Are you sure you're with me? Is this boring you? Is the sump pump story boring you? Is the vomiting story boring you? <clears throat> a, a couple little nuggets to help you. As I think I already shared them, but there were two of them. I'm going to share a couple extra ones. But a couple little nuggets. If you have to make a decision, if you have to make a decision because of time constraints, the Holy Ghost will always lead you if you'll give him time. But if you've not prayed and it's your fault, it's not God's fault, he'll never be late. But if you've missed the cues to pray and you can't hear your spirit and your mind is all biz, 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 and you have to make a decision, make the most conservative one you can. Dad Hagen taught us that because you're, you're technically making a decision outside the knowledge of the will of God. And the more conservative it is, the less you're likely to lose if something goes wrong. Amen. Another little nugget. You want to be led more? Start to say it more. Father, I thank you that I'm led by the spirit. It's so simple and so easy, but the more you confess it, the more you'll have it. You're sowing seed with your mouth. You'll reap a harvest. Father, I thank you that I hear the voice of the Spirit clearly, that it's easy for me to be led by my inner witness, that I know the voice of the Spirit and I'm easily led by God. I'm a man that is led by the Spirit according to Hebrews, Romans 8, 14. Start to say that. You'll see it will start to happen more for you. What's another little nugget I wanted to share with you? God doesn't always tell you things early. A lot of us like to know early. Why? Because it's less pressure on our mind. 
But God is not that interested about whether you're in pressure and in your mind and he expects you to quieten your mind and stay in your spirit. He does not always tell us early and sometimes it will get down to the wire and sometimes you don't always know at the wire. But if you've spent time with him and you've waited on him, just relax. He may not have told you early, but he will always tell you on time. Dip down into your spirit and quieten your mind. You know what sometimes you have to do? Remove yourself from the physical location with all the talking. I've done that many times when we've been here and, and Errol or whatever, they've been talking and I'm trying to check my spirit because I don't want to make bad decisions and cost the church money or sign with the wrong worker who's not going to do as good of a job. And I don't know everything. Craigslist doesn't tell you everything, right? What's, what's the list where, where, you, where you check the quality of a, of a worker? It's not Craigslist. What is it? Yeah, you know, the, those places where they list all the workers, the companies that do good jobs for you. And so, like, if they've got a bad rating or a good rating, you know, and Jesus, you can check those things and they'll tell you a measure, but the Holy Ghost knows everything. And sometimes I'm not sure what to do. I don't know what to do. And sometimes there's a lot of money on the line. And and, and Errol knows I've done this many times. I'll just say, uh, just excuse me for a moment, please. And I say, I can't make the decision while he's breathing down my neck, the salesman (laughs) or whoever it is. I can't. So I'll just go into the green room and I'll just sit there and I'll just say, Lord, Father, I just close my eyes and I quieten my mind. And I, I've already waited on you, Father, but I, for whatever reason, I'm just not getting this. But I'm not making no decision until I know by the inner witness. And I'll just pray in the spirit until a bubbling comes up, do it or don't do it. But it's better to remove yourself and get into a place of quiet, physically quiet and peace in order to hear your spirit than be pressured to make a decision in front of somebody. Are you with me? Make them uncomfortable. Don't make, don't let them make you uncomfortable. Do you understand? Yeah. Well, we're going to lose the sale. Go ahead and lose it. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'll lose it. You're not going to pressure me, sir. Right. A lot of these people, their tactic is pressure. Yeah. If they can get you into the emotional arena and make you think you need something, you'll buy it. it. Yeah. Praise God, you'll buy it. So don't let, make them uncomfortable. Don't let them make you uncomfortable. Another little nugget for you is what if there's this leading, but it's very slight. You, you can't tell the difference. You don't know if that's your spirit or your mind. You don't know, is that peace down here? Or I can't tell, Lord. And many times we're like that. We can't tell. You know what? Don't make the rush decision and go back. Just, just let it go and don't make a decision. And I go back and I pray again later. Do you understand? I go back later that night or the next day and I say, Father, concerning this decision, I couldn't quite tell if that was my spirit or not. It seemed like it was, but I'm not sure. And I don't want to make a decision on a I'm not sure basis. So I just pray out now in the Holy Ghost concerning this situation a little bit more. And I think that the, the clarity comes to me. And every time, sometimes I have to pray second, sometimes I have to go back and pray a third time. But that clarity comes. It's better to wait for the clarity to come than to make a decision rushed and you think it's right, but it's, but it's not. And of course, some things are small things that, you know, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Other things are big things where they're going to cost you for your future. It's very important that on the bigger decisions that you, you make sure that you don't rush and that you wait. Amen. Another little nugget for you is something called the dramatic leading. Don't ever look for a dramatic leading. Dad Hagen, remember I told you the story of after he had decided to put the fleece and if they vote 100%, I'll go to that church and he went and there was no anointing for 14 months and at 14 months he left, remember? He couldn't wait to get out of there because his wife said, honey, you got to the place where you can make a good talk 
That's all it was, was a talk. There was no preaching anointing. There was no teaching anointing for 14 long months because God didn't lead him, but the fleece led him. And he got fleeced. And then he goes to another church. He just needed to get out of there. He just, anything's better than that. So another church, and he's not in the full will of God, but he's in the permissive. He was out of the will of God. There was no anointing. Now he's in the permissive will, so there's some anointing, but he's still not happy. But he's there for a whole year from 1941 to 1942. He's in this other little church for a whole year. But as he's praying now, remember, as he's praying for his sermon, a burden would come for the original church that he left. And he'd run out the building to try to get away from that prayer burden. And after 30 days, he said, God, is the prayer burden you speaking to me, revealing to me that I need to go back to that church? And the Lord, finally, the Lord didn't answer him. So he said, well, let me talk to my wife. And so he said, honey, if God shows you something, tell me in 30 days past, remember, those that believe well, shall not make haste. Don't be in a rush. And so she says, well, he said, did God speak to you after 30 days? Well, if he did, I don't know it. He was a bit more pointed. God said, has anything come in your heart about going back to this city and this church? She goes, well, there's something, but I think it's just me. You see, God was trying to get something over to Miss Aretha, but she thought it was her. Many of us are like that. God's trying to get something over to you, but you think it's you. So he said, do you want to go? She goes, oh, God, no. He said, I don't want to go, but I can't get away from this. So if we don't want to go on our soul, the devil's certainly not going to tell us to go. We know it's not him and we know it's not us. So, and it comes down from in here, this must be the Holy Ghost. Okay, so then they decide to go, but they're not going to call and ask to go back. They want God to supernaturally do it. So they wait another 60 days, 30 days for him, 30 days for her, 60 days now while they're waiting for the offer. They're still at this other church. That's four months. Finally, the church calls and said, God's put it on our heart to have you come back as our pastor. And so he said, okay. Now, he's already decided now he's got to finish the contract with this church before he can go to that church, okay? Now, he already knows by the inner witness and his wife knows by the inner witness that this is God. But what does Dad Hagen do? Because he's young, he's in his 20s, and he says, Lord, I want more than the inner witness. I want something dramatic. Because I don't, I've missed it before. I don't want to miss it again. Now, that was a good motive of his heart. But he's asking God for something more than the inner witness. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Now, I'm not saying that if it's a major thing like marrying somebody, you should probably have more than the inner witness unless you really know the inner witness skillfully. Because that's a life decision. But smaller decisions, just don't look for dramatic. You can ask God to confirm it, but be careful that you're not after a motive of dramatic. But he asked for something dramatic, okay? And he specifically fasted for two and a half days that he would have a dramatic uh, knowing. And he told God how he would prefer the dramatic to come. He said, I would like tongues and interpretation of tongues if that's okay with you. If not that, then prophecy. And then, and then if not that, a dream. And then he said, and if you don't want to give me a dream, write it in the clouds. That's what Dad Hagen said. He said, write it in the sky. That's pretty dramatic. And uh, after fasting and seeking God for a dramatic confirmation to the inner witness, this is exactly uh, number 16, please, what God said to him. The Lord said to him, you've got all I'm going to give you. You don't need a dramatic manifestation. You've got the inner witness and that's all you're going to get. <laughs> Forget the writing it in the clouds. Now, that doesn't mean God won't confirm it or he can't confirm it, but he was teaching him the inner witness. I'm not, it's, we're not saying that God will never give you more. That's not the doctrine I'm saying. I'm saying the inner witness is always enough. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 
if you know it by the bearing of witness, the inner knowing, you know it, that is always enough. Don't ask for more dramatics. God may give you another confirmation, but technically the inner witness is all you need. Okay, are you still with me? We've been trained to be soul-oriented and emotional feeling-oriented. So Dad Hagen said, but I don't feel anything with the inner witness. I want to feel something. If I have to go back to that church, I want it to feel. I want to feel it. See, we're feeling conscious. If there's a prophecy, ooh, I feel something. If it's in the sky, ooh, I feel something. Inner witness, I don't feel nothing. I just know. Enough, it's enough to know. You don't need to feel it. It's enough to know. Amen? Praise God. Can I tell you that my life, we don't, can't, I, I can't say 100%, but it was very physically close, and it could have ended in us being killed. I can't say that definitively, but we were in South Africa. The funny thing is, my brother-in-law <laughs> is the, used to be the military commander of the armed wing of the ANC. The ANC, African National Congress, Nelson Mandela's party, because he was in prison with Mandela for 19 years on Robben Island. So, and he, he was the only, only ANC leader that was arrested, in prison, let go, and then kept doing the thing against apartheid, and then got arrested again and put back. He was the only prisoner that got sent to Robben Island twice, my brother-in-law. So he, he was very respected and, and, and high up in the organization. You, Mandela, personally, they were friends and, uh, and different things. And New Zuma, who was the old president, taught Zuma how to read in prison. I mean, he was very high up in the organization. So he was over the armed wing. ANC didn't do, uh, they didn't want civilian casualties. They always were very strong on that, but they were doing, uh, they were pushing back against the, the, the racist regime of the apartheid government by doing a lot of other things. And so they wouldn't kill people, they would try not to, but they would blow up, you know, the, the power plant and all the electricity would go out. And then they would blow up the rail station and then we wouldn't get groceries for a week. And I grew up like that as a little kid. And my mother, right over there, that sweet lady over there, I'd hear her say, oh, the terrorists are at it again because the lights would go out, right? And the terrorists would blow up the thing. The terrorists are the ANC people against apartheid because that's what we were told, that they were terrorists. They weren't terrorists. They were freedom fighters, but that's what the news called them. And she said, oh, the terrorists blew it up again. And I couldn't go to the grocery store. She wouldn't let me go because there were bomb threats all the time. There was a lot of stuff going on. Well, lo and behold, late years later, that her, it was her son-in-law that was over the armed wing that was blowing up all the bombs. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a lie. It was the funniest thing the first time she met Ebi, and, 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 and he's much older than my sister, and he's actually older than my mother. And, and so he, he, met, he met her, and, and, and she is the, he is the terrorist. He is the military armed wing commander of the ANC, and he authorized all the bombs and all the explosions and all the stuff that she was talking to us about, and it was actually her future son-in-law. Isn't God funny? Could you imagine if God had said to her while she was saying that, that's your future son-in-law, praise God. But uh, he, he was very careful that they would never target places where people could get hurt. But there was a man named Robert McBride who was underneath his control, but he didn't listen to the rules. He was so zealous. He was a white man. He was so zealous against the apartheid government that he decided one day, we were there, it was in our city in Durban, and, and he decided he's going to plant a bomb at a hotel downtown at the beachfront. And he did. And we were supposed to go to my favorite restaurant that day. As a little kid, my favorite restaurant was called Pickin' Chicken. Pickin' chicken was the place I'm Jesus would eat there if he was on the earth. 
I had, we never had processed cheese like you have here now. We only had hard cheese. Africa was a bit behind the curve. But I don't know where they got this thing called processed cheese. You couldn't buy it in the grocery store. And they would make grilled cheese sandwiches with processed ooey gooey cheese. And it was the, it was close, as close to getting saved as I could, ex I could explain it to you. And so I would say to her every week, can we go to pick and chicken so I can get a grilled cheese? I would I'll be on her all the time about grilled cheese because I've never had such ooey gooey cheese. Now you can have it anytime you want. Back then it was a, it was rich. It was better than gold. Right, mom? And so we were supposed to go to pick and chicken, which was on the beachfront, very close to this hotel. And I, I love that. And I'm pestering her. I'm pestering her. I'm pestering her. And I'm Remember, I still remember to this day. She says, no, we're not going there. We're going to go up and see her sister, Auntie Jo. We're going to go and see her instead up north. And I said, but I want pick and chicken. And I'm going to have pick and chicken. Auntie Jo don't have that kind of cheese. Pick and chicken is the only place that has that kind of cheese. And she says, no, I just, now she didn't know all the doctrine or how to word it. She said, I, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. I have, I have an uneasiness. See, that uneasiness is the inner witness. I have an uneasiness to go there. We're going to go somewhere different. And the same exact hour that we would have been in that restaurant, that bomb exploded and killed people. That was not right there at the restaurant. It was, so I don't know if we would have physically died. But the point is, God will lead you away from danger, even if you're physically not going to die. Because it causes traffic jams and he doesn't want you to be in traffic. It causes police investigations. It makes you afraid. It makes you feel like, my God, what if we had gone for a walk after the grilled cheese? What if we were walking by the hotel and we had been killed? All these thoughts will come to you. God doesn't want his children anywhere in the vicinity of it. That, see, that was a perception. What did Paul say? I perceive there's go something. I don't know why. I just know it. Something's going to go wrong. Thank God for the inner witness and leading of the Holy Ghost. And that man, my brother-in-law, was very, very angry with him because he broke ANC protocol and people died and he was actually put in prison for it. He's out now. My mother's met Robert McBride, who planted the bomb that could have killed her. Praise God and me. It's a funny how time... Anyway, praise God. Hallelujah. Can I share one more? What is 11.57? Oh, we've got lots of time. It's only 11.57, brother. Can I share, can I share one more story? Dad Hagen was, was, uh, was talking to a minister. And this minister, um, he, he actually, no, he wasn't a minister. It was just a man. Just a man that he had met that was telling him this story. And this man was in a restaurant just with his family. And uh, just a simple restaurant down in Texas. And they were ordered. And the kids were hungry. You know what kids are like. Well, you don't, but you're about to have 12 of them, so get ready. Um, but the kids were hungry. And the kids are so hungry that they order him first. As soon as you arrive, you only look at the menu. Get, get me this, 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 and this, and make it fast. So that while then the food comes for the kids to eat and be quiet while you look at the rest of the menu. I've done that many times. <laughs> praise God. So that's what happened. The kids were eating and they were still about putting their order in and the kids are eating. They're still making their decision. And the man, he, he just stood up right there in front of, just in front of his family. And he said, we got to rush home. We got to rush home. And the wife said, what are you talking about? We got to rush home. The kids are eating and we haven't even ordered yet. I don't know. I don't know. There's something in here. We got to get home. We got to get home right now. What is that called? The inner witness of the Holy Ghost. Oh, my brother and sister, you are, you don't know how fortunate you are. Oh, the world, this is what they're looking for. 
It's what they call the sixth sense. And there's no such thing. There's demons. What we have is the Holy Ghost. They're looking for the crystal ball and tell us our future. We have the Holy Ghost who shows us things to come. Everything they're looking for, we have. That's why you've got to tell them the good news that we've got it and you can have it and it's free. All you have to do is give your life. It's not cheap, but it's free. I got to get home. I got to get home. We got to rush home. His words were, we got to rush home right now. But honey, she argued with him a second time. I'm telling you, darling, I got to get home right now. I know it. I don't know why, but I know it. And they rushed home. You know what happened when they got home? He walked in the house and there was a fire that had started in the living room. He had been there 10 minutes later, the whole house would have gone up. Because when that fire catches and catches those blinds and drapes, and then it it catches the roof, it's a matter of seconds or minutes before a little fire takes over the entire place. And there was a sense of urgency, get home. And he got home. Enough time to get a bucket of water. This is before the time of everybody has a little red uh, fire extinguisher. This is modern highfalutin stuff. This is back in the time when they didn't have seatbelts. Ever been in a car that didn't have a seatbelt? Because we never had a seatbelt in Africa. And when we were going to get into something, my mother just put her hand. Hold on. She'd pray in tongues and apply the blood. No seatbelts and no brakes some of the time. Oh, Jesus. It's amazing. I live to tell the tale. Praise God. Now everything's so, everything is so rigid and so organized and now you have to have a seven-point car seat for the child. Back then, you just threw the child in the back seat. Just sit there. I don't know. Roll around if you want. Be quiet. Now everything's so like... Now you'd have to find the fire extinguisher. Check if the green thing is there. Pull the pin. Fire it. Then you just grab water and throw it on the stupid thing. But he got the water on it, Errol, in time to save the house from going up. Well, would you put that picture up, please, uh, Peter, of, of, of those houses that I, that I told you. I want you to see this. I thought about that when I saw this. This is driving just on Highway 10, just north of King, south of Boston Mills. All you, high, all you city rats don't know what the country mouse is talking about. Because you never go that far north. You stay down in the zone where all the people are. But this is where I live. This is God's country. And, uh, and this is Highway 10, north of King, south of, uh, of Boston Mills. And I, I watched that house being built. Because I travel there every day. I watched it being built. And as it was being built, I liked it more and more and more. And it's a, it was a beautiful house. I passed it every day and I'd look at it. I didn't really like the fact that I didn't like some of the design architecture, but I watched them build it and I thought, wow, that's a beautiful house. Right. And I walked and then I drove past a few weeks ago and that's what I saw. And go to the next picture. And so I stopped my car and I got out of the car to actually take a look at what actually happened. And that's what I saw. Next one. And then, and, and that's what I saw. And the next one. And then and that's what I saw. And if there's another one, and that's what I saw. And then go by the last one again. And so I went online. Everything can be found on Google. You ever have a question? Google's the answer. Okay. The Holy Ghost knows everything, but he won't tell you everything. Google will tell you everything. Okay. More or less. And so I typed in, big fire on house on Highway 10. And sure enough, there the newspaper article pops up. And it said, uh, 1130 at night on Saturday, August the 29th, a fire broke out at a home on, on, on Highway 10, north of King, south of Boston Mills, in the garage. $3 million worth of damage. 
a fire broke in a car, I don't know how that happened, in the garage. Lit the car on fire, lit the garage on fire, and the whole house is lost. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, I, as, I, as I'm taking the pictures, because I, I, I was so, well, not was I taking the pictures, as I was driving, I heard the Holy Ghost say, that won't happen to you, son. I said, but Lord, bad things happen to people all the time. He said, not those that have the inner witness. Oh, I don't know if you're listening. Not those that have the inner witness. Now you have the inner witness, but you've got to learn to listen to the inner witness. That man knew, go home. If that man had violated the inward witness, his house would have looked like that. I've got the inner witness. I, have, I, ha, I just have a sense. Just, it's just a knowing. Don't go down that road. I've had a knowing, don't go down that parking lot. And I don't know who's there or what their plan is. And I, I, I'm tough. I want to be aggressive. I want to fight somebody sometimes. Just to show people that I can handle myself. But the Holy Ghost doesn't always let you do that. He'll lead you away from danger. He'll lead you away. The inner witness can save your life, it can save your property, it can save your funds, it can save your dog. It was the inner witness that got Ollie when he had the heat stroke. Little dog, he can't breathe right, he can't sleep right, he can't even swim. Poor dog, he can't walk 10 steps without dying of heat stroke. <laughs> I've got the most high maintenance dog on the planet. <laughs> and now we just found out with Oasis that he can't swim. French bulldogs can't swim. Their hindquarters are too narrow. And so they do this, and then they go under the water, and they drown. <laughs> Pastor Nancy told me, she said, you better be careful. All he can swim. I said, of course he can swim. He's a dog. He's got part bulldog in him. Forget the French part. He's got part bulldog in him. He's tough. He, he'll die. So now we have found a website dedicated to French bulldogs that can't swim. I told you everything's on Google. And now we've ordered five specially made things for Ollie that he, life jackets designed specifically for a French bulldog with a little handle on the top so that when they do swim, they can keep their little snout above the water because apparently they can't walk without dying of heat stroke. They can't swim without drowning. They can't breathe right. They can't eat this. I've got the most highfalutin dog on the planet. But when he was dying of the heat stroke, the Holy Ghost told me where he was and I found him. And when he was messed up his leg and he was in agony and he was screaming and they were going to charge me, uh, what is it, four and a half, five thousand dollars for a surgery, which I didn't have the money. And I thought, Lord, I didn't, he didn't even cost that. I'll put him down and get another one. <laughs> Praise God. I'm sorry, but that's just the way I'm thinking. I'll put him down and get another one. I'll get a white one. The kids won't know the difference. <laughs> But see, the inner witness, the inner witness, see, it was, it was more, that was the inner voice. But, but the Holy Ghost, he, on the inside, I heard him say, uh, Mark eleven twenty three 23 will work for him. Yeah. But you see, that leading of the Spirit saved his life. Yeah. That's right. If God can save a dog, yeah. how much more does he want to save your children? Yeah. My little children, earlier, Quinn and Cole, were at the school, and there was a bully that was harassing them. And, and they, Daddy, and I didn't quite understand what they meant, so, you know, we started doing what we do. We call the police, I, not the police, the principal. I go in and I make a complaint. I, I want you to, and I thought, I'm going to stay after school. I'm going to wait for that kid to come out. I'm going to give him the what for. I'm going to show him the fivefold ministry is what I'm going to do. No, because don't put it past me. I actually would do that. I, 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 I'd scare the kid. But then, then they call the police and arrest me. So you've got to be very careful with children, how you handle it. But it made me angry. He was picking on Quinn. I mean, Quinn would come home crying every day. And, and, they, and the principal would deal with the parents, but the parents wouldn't do anything. And so this bully, I mean, just a plain out bully. You see the commercials on TV. We're anti-bullying. 
but, the, the, but they couldn't stop the kid because other than kicking him out of the school, how do you really stop a bully? There's only so much the teachers can do. And Quinn was really being affected by this. And it got to the point where we considered, do we take him out of the school? Because I can't have him come home being bullied every day. And I heard the Holy See, thank God for the Holy Ghost. He said, uh, you can deal with that, son. I said, I know, I'm trying to deal with it. I'm gonna wait outside the school. I'm gonna see that kid. I'm gonna have a say, son, let me have a talk with you for a second. I'm a pastor. I'll cast the devil out of you if you do that to my son again. The Lord said, I'm not talking about it, dealing with it in the natural. He said, you can deal with that. And then it dawned on me, bullying is demons. It could be flesh, but in this case, there was demons attached. So you know what, Craig, I'm telling you by the, by the help of the Holy Ghost, thank God for the Holy Ghost, by the help of the Holy Ghost, because he prompted me. See, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking natural. We're so natural. We're thinking natural solutions all the time. Natural, natural, natural. And God's trying to say, there's spiritual help for you, son. Stop being so carnal. See, my, my first thought is the, the, the principal, and then let me call the parents, and then let me wait for the kid, and I'd try to have a nice talk with him. I wouldn't scare him or nothing like that, but try to talk to him a little bit. Maybe, talk, maybe uh, why are you so upset? Why are you picking on my son? You shouldn't do that. That's not what nice people do. I, I'd be very sweet about it, but how do I fix this? It's getting stressful for me, but the Holy Ghost knew a spiritual answer, not just a natural answer. And so my wife and I held hands, and I said, Father, that demon spirit. Now, you see, I knew it by the spirit. Not every bully has got demons. Them some just flesh. But I, but I knew by the spirit there was a spirit on that child that, went, that was targeting my son, probably because of the anointing. Because nobody else got bullied but the pastor's kid. You put two and two together. And I said, Lord Jesus, concerning the demon spirit that's got a hold of that child's mind. I, and I mean, I got in the spirit, and I, I, I dealt with that. The very next day, it stopped and it never happened once more. And I'm talking about harassment to the point of us considering we don't know what to do. We're pulling our hair out almost. That's how it felt like. Frustrated. I, maybe Jenny wasn't as much, I don't know, but I was frustrated because I'm very protective of him and I don't like bullies. We dealt with that and it changed instantly. You see, the, but the Holy Ghost, see, I was focusing on what the Holy Ghost had an answer. My brother and sister, the Holy Ghost has an answer for you. He has an answer for your relationships. Something's not working right with your husband or your wife. Yes, you can go to counseling. Yes, you can do this, but the Holy Ghost has an answer for you. He can teach you how to have a good marriage if you'll learn to listen to him. Sometimes you might have to swallow your pride. Sometimes you might have to say something at a certain time at a certain place, but if you'll just listen to the answers, there are answers by the inner witness and by the voice of the Spirit inside of you. Answers for everything. Answers for safety, for investments, for money, for relationships, answers when your house is about to burn down. Yeah. Hallelujah. Almost all the cars got vandalized where we were a number of years ago because there was a lot of stuff in that neighborhood that was not good. And I applied the blood every night around my car. We're one of the only cars that never was touched. Yeah. We're one of the only houses that was never vandalized because of the power, because I know the Holy Ghost. You, it doesn't matter where you live or what the problems are. You've got answers. You've got help. I hope you're feeling encouraged because yeah. I feel the Holy Ghost through me encouraging you this morning. You're not alone on this earth. You're not alone in this walk. You're not like your coworkers that have to make a decision out of their brain. You've got the help of the third person of the Trinity. He's inside you and he will help you in every situation you face. If you'll learn to listen. Quieten your mind and listen. How do you do that? Pray in tongues every day. Pray in the word. Worship him. Wait on him, especially with tongues. And you'll see, you'll see there'll be a knowing, there'll be a knowing, there'll be a knowing. Follow the knowing. 
Praise God. I'm going to focus. I've focused now on the inner witness sufficiently, but I'm going to focus now and I encourage you to watch the archive because next service I'm going to talk about that there's an inner witness, but then there's the inner voice. The inner voice is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's the voice of your spirit speaking to you. People call the still small voice the Holy Ghost. It's not. The still small voice is your spirit man speaking to you because it knows what the Holy Ghost is saying to it. When the spirit speaks to you, it's typically not still or small. It's authoritative and aggressive. It's strong. It's got power to it. That's how you know God has spoken to you. But I want to talk about the difference because a lot of people don't know the difference. And, that, and that, listen, the Lord can speak quietly to you as well. But Dad Hagen always said, the voice of the Spirit is authoritative. And the voice of your spirit is still and small. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I can have a knowing, but then I can also hear a voice. Yeah. In here, mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. Do that. And then I can hear another kind of a voice that's heightened and stronger. And that's God actually saying, do this. Don't go there. But, you, but a lot of people, they don't even know, they don't know anything that's going on inside because they're just up here all the time. But I, I want to teach a little bit of how to tell the difference between the bearing of witness and then the inner voice. They're different. And then the spirit's voice, which is different. And then there's nine other ways that God leads you other than those three. Nine other ways God will show you revelation other than the inner witness, the inner voice, and the Spirit's voice. I'm going to talk about that in the next service. Please watch it because I probably won't be repeating it next week, but it will help you. There's nuggets in here to help you. Amen? Praise God. I got the inner witness, Mom. Thank you for listening to that inner witness. Many times, many times you did growing up and it saved our lives. Father, we thank you for the help of the Holy Ghost. We're not alone. Lord, we may be traversing a dark planet with dark forces at play. We are not alone. We have the helper on the inside. You even call him the capital H helper. He is the guide. He is our teacher and our comforter. He leads us into all truth and shows us things to come in the future. He bears witness with our spirit, answers and help and remedies and rescues and clarity and wisdom that we need to skillfully traverse this earth. And Lord, we're not like the sinners that everything is based on their mind or on demonic power. We've got the Holy Ghost and that is what sets us apart as children of God. They that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. What delineates us from the rest of this planet is that we are led by the Spirit. That's what qualifies us. That's what makes us children of God. So I thank you because these people here are children of God. They have the right to be led. And their whole life can look different. And Lord, you can limit and minimize all the problems and the frustrations and the dangers and the accidents and the torments and the harassments and the turmoils because they've got the Holy Ghost. If they'll listen, you'll lead Holy Ghost, you'll lead them out of all those scenarios and their life will become more peaceful and more secure and more happy. And so Lord, I thank you that we're doing the series to help teach them the differences of how to be led by the Spirit versus their soul. I thank you that they're learning. I believe it by faith. I can't tell from all their faces if they're learning or not because they kind of sometimes just stare at me. But then I hear from others that they're trying to absorb what the Spirit of God is saying to them. And they're trying to write notes. And so, Lord, I know that sometimes they're quiet, but I thank you that they're, they're getting some truth and some nuggets as I teach because it's so important. Your servant, Kenneth Hagin, said it's the most important subject you can teach a believer is how to be led by the Spirit. So Lord, I thank you that you're teaching them and you're helping them. 
I bless you and I bless you for them and I bless them, Father. As the pastor of this church, I pray over every one of them within the sound of my voice. I apply the precious blood of Jesus to them from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. I apply the blood around their vehicles, around their homes, a bloodline around their properties, around everything they own on every side. I thank you that they are divinely protected by the power of the blood this week. They are protected by angelic help and forces. They are protected by the inner witness and leading of the Holy Ghost. That Lord, they go out into the world and they be a bright light of a witness for you. They conduct business in Jesus' name. You said occupy until you come and they come back at their next service to bring their service, to bring their worship, to bring their hearts, to bring their tithe and to strengthen the local church once again. We thank you for it, Father. Bless them as they go this week in Jesus' name.